0: You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices.
1: All right, all right, all right. What's up, family? What's up, fam? (laughs)
0: <laughs> what's good julia oh, man you know what's happening it was, seems like you was just here
1: i was just there it was just all good <laughs> a week ago you know what's up to I- everybody watching clapback culture this thursday i see y'all pulling up pulling up welcome good evening um how are you big O? how's your weekend
0: man you know this has been uh it's been a lot going on now now that's now that you're asking thank you for asking the big news here uh amongst a lot of big stories is converges man then nate jackson comedian funny man you know what i'm saying actor businessman nate jackson joining us here at converge a lot of people might know nate um owns the biggest as far as the capacity the the biggest black owned comedy club in America down there in Tacoma and you know a lot of people you see him playing the role of junkyard dog on young rock on NBC and you whiling know, out all kinds of stuff this is big black star power joining us here at converge
1: I mean listen who who doesn't want to come to converge you know I was I was chopping it up with the Queens and you know we were having a running joke that these days, It's not that people want to leave. It's that people are getting put out. So listen, to to, to be a part of the Converge family is like you either with us or you not. And so I really love our core team. I'm so glad to have Nate join us. Um, You know, it's this is a strong collective, man. And like the stuff that we're doing and the content that we're creating is really meaningful. And um, I'm looking forward to having him on the team.
0: Yeah, no, no, me too. You know, we, we got uh, stuff coming from Nate. What do you say? It was at mid-October, Curtis. Even sooner than that. Huh? Okay, all right, good stuff. And then, you know, my my Facebook was blowing up a few days ago. Somebody put some pictures of themselves up and tagged me and tagged me. I was, I looked at something and said, "Yeah, something." Five hundred likes. I'm like, man, I did something that got five hundred likes. Of course not. It was you. Yeah, your your pictures when you were in here holding that Emmy.
1: Listen, the buzz is going crazy. I was going to say, I don't know how you listen, you guys, the Emmy happened back in February, but I never got a chance to take. Oh, June. Excuse me. Um, But I never got a chance to, uh, you know, share it on social media because I just didn't have a picture. Um, And, you know, things just are not real, I guess, until you post it on social media Uh, And yeah, I've gotten an outpouring of love and support Even though I had already told people about it I think it's just not real until it hits the gram So um, thank you to everyone who has reached out You know, pictures are worth a thousand words, honey And it was given So, you know, we love a good viral moment
0: Uh, Yeah, and for sure And again, this show right here The longest running show on Converge
1: Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that just brings us right into a great segue where we can roll right into the show, because that's what y'all came to hear. That's what you guys are tuning in for. And I got some good topics tonight. So first things first, you guys, I'm really, really, really um, happy to share this news with you. Um, But Junior... Uh, Feliz, Guzman Feliz, you guys, he was the 15 year old, um, teenager from the Bronx who was murdered by a vicious gang out in the Bronx. And, um, it was really through mistaken identity. And I don't know if you remember this, though, but this happened back in 2018. Um, it sparked, you know, an outrage in the city, but also an outrage on social media that, you know, really birthed the hashtag hashtag. Uh, Justice for Junior. And it's a young man, you can see him in, you know, running down the street, he enters a bodega, where he was subsequently dragged out, um, beaten and stabbed to death by like seven or eight different grown men assailants. Well, I'm happy to share with you guys that um, now, uh, you know, an additional two men out of the 13 that were indicted. So there's a total of seven that are indicted or that have been convicted now, but got a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. I do have a video clip uh, to remind us of what happened. Um, I didn't want to share the sentencing because I think it was important to take us back to why this case was so important. Let's have a look.
2: From 543 East 183rd Street picks up the last block of the Hunt for Jr. Suspects identified as Jose Muniz in the white t shirt, Jose Tavares dressed in black, and Danelle Fernandez wearing a green do rag are walking or running with steely eyed conviction. You can see a quick flash on the right in this camera angle that's junior trying to reach the bodega the first suspect was only four seconds behind junior tavares peering over the counter and doubling back outside to summon others the suspect identified as janike martinez Estrella in a red hat moving to a corner and tucking a huge knife under his red shirt inside an irate michael sosa reyes in a black baseball hat and shirt Falsely tells the owner that Junior had attacked his grandmother, according to an investigative source. Sosa ends up leaving the shop. Just before an FDNY ambulance cruises slowly past the bodega, oblivious to what's happening inside. It is 19 seconds before Junior will be dragged to the sidewalk. It took at least 10 seconds to pull Junior away from the back counter, the panicked teen knocking over a potato chip stand as he struggled to stay inside. Camera one in the cereal aisle shows Junior desperately trying to grab the ATM machine before the owner and others wave the group outside. Two hospital employees holding hands have just passed the front door when Junior is pulled outside to be murdered. Police say the frenzied attack took 20 seconds, starting with Muniz hacking at the teen with a machete and Elvin Garcia a scarf over his face, plunging a knife into Junior five to eight times. The lethal cut, police say, came from Martinez Estrella, seen pushing Junior toward the bodega's door when the mob was finished. Two store employees jumped back from the doorway as a mortally wounded Junior stumbled to the counter seeking help, the blood from the vicious neck wound spilling to the floor. An elderly customer waiting to buy chips and soda seems annoyed as he points Junior toward St. Barnabas Hospital a block away. The owner tearfully
1: All right, you guys, quick point of correction. Um, Fifteen men that are alleged gang members were indicted. A total of seven have been convicted, all of which received 25 years to life. The one who conducted the fatal blow, uh, 25 years um, without the possibility of parole. All right. Um, Omari, you know, this was a big deal back in 2018 and here we are, you know, four years later, finally, um, you know, seeing justice being done in this case. What are your thoughts here?
0: Yeah, man, that's disturbing. Uh, I remember, I remember this and I remember, um, talking about it. Um, yeah, it's just horrible, man, to be honest with you. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I know this is a, a show about talking, man, but I'm kind of speechless. You know what I'm saying? Like seeing, seeing that story again, because I just remember it and, it. and then it all came down to, I mean, no matter what, it's a horrible crime. But then it all came down to mistaken identity on top of that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you totally got the wrong guy.
1: And you know what's even worse about this is uh, Junior was actually a part of NYPD's um, Young Explorers program. yeah. Yeah. And he was, you know, he wanted to be a police officer. So this was a kid who was committed to the community um, who two weeks before this incident was sitting down with his mentor um, slash police officer to plan a trip to Six Flags for him and his um, cohort. Um, I mean, this was just such a good kid. You know what I'm saying? And to I think it was important to share that violent video Um, because it reminds us of, of, of what was out there. And I also think it's extremely important for us to start being involved, right? And so we see the store owner, you know, initially he's so confused because he just sees this kid trying to jump over the counter. But when he comes back injured, I'll remind you guys that they tell him to not only get out of the store, but they tell him to walk, to the hospital, and so nobody helped this young boy get some help, and so I think you know we need to always continue to um, really just help our neighbors, and we've we've really lost that, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, I. I think that unfortunately, you know what we see here when we talk about tragedy with our young people, this is something that has been happening in one way or another and continues to happen here and then what you point out there as well is just um man, just a lack of like humanity, you know what I'm saying I mean we see it we see it you know here a lot like downtown Seattle, believe me um you see all kinds of stuff, people in crisis and everything else, and you know people. They run. They even tell you, like, you know, if something's really going down. Don't yell for help because someone's going to come. Like, yell fire. People, people still react to fire like, oh, fire, what's going on? Man, you sit out here and yell help. See if somebody stops.
1: Man, that's crazy that we are living in a day and age where you know, it's just more important. Like, I don't want to I ain't trying to get in nobody's business. I ain't trying
0: know? to get caught up in that. I ain't trying to be like, whatever. I mean, man, it's that's real.
1: Yeah. I mean, and to some on some occasions, you know, that is probably the best thing to do. But in this case, um, when you see a a teenager, a kid, I mean, he doesn't even have any shoes on and he's bleeding. I mean, bleeding so bad that, you know, I saw a tweet, Amari, that he had lost so much blood that his body was black when they buried him. Um, So this was a tragic case. Um, The mother who, uh, you know, She's such a superhero in my eyes how strong uh, she has been during this time and and she I mean she's faced you know multiple threats um, from this gang and she just has continued to stand tall in uh, seeking justice for her son so uh, she's a phenomenal woman and we we have to be able to you know come together as a community and really speak out against it so I'm glad to see that you know out of the 15 men, um, indicted in this case that so far seven have been convicted and, and, you know, and they're receiving sentences. I think that um, are fair.
0: Yeah, um, it's, I even saw that in the comments. Somebody's like, "Man, this just hurts my heart to see this again." Like, it's, well, I mean, all I can all I can say is this, Julie, is that I'm glad to see that one way or another that uh, there is some justice being served on this. And people, a lot of times, man, people forget about the victims. You know what I'm saying? They for, they forget about the actual victims of things because so much spotlight has been put on perpetrators. And, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 things like that. We got to remember, man, there really is a violent element out there and v- justice does need to be served on behalf of the victim. So it's good to see that.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, speaking of which, a lot of things continue just to go viral. And there's so many, you know, people just kind of like lashing out and being impatient. Um, I don't know if you saw this headline, Amari, but the Beyond Meat COO, Doug Ramsey, was recently arrested for biting a man's nose after being cut off in a parking garage. So here's the tea, you guys. And listen, Beyond Meat is a plant-based food company. And so biting the flesh off the tip of somebody's nose sounds a little Hannibal Lecter to me. Um, But aside from that, the 53-year-old COO was leaving a college football game. And drunk as a skunk, probably, right? Because you're thinking, you know, college game, people are probably having, a, you know, quite a few libations. Um, and upon walking back to his car, um, you know, and leaving a game, we can imagine how much traffic it is trying to get out of the parking garage. But it's being reported that um, that officers responded to a disturbance where two men got into um, a dispute. So here's what happened. As Ramsey was pulling out, someone cut him off and hit his front tire. Well, he got out of the car, Ramsey, the COO of Beyond Meat, and punched out the back windshield of this guy's car. The guy gets out. They have a bit of a confrontation. He punches the guy and then bites the tip of his nose off. So he is then... He, you know, you know, in a fight, you say everything. So he says, I'm going to kill you. He threatens to kill him and all those things. So he's being charged with terroristic threats, um, as well as uh, assault. And, you know, just this whole big road rage thing. I mean, this is crazy. Beyond Meat does not need this. Their stocks are way down, record lows. Um, And subsequently, the company decided to suspend him.
0: Suspend, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he must have got all the uh, Beyond Meat secrets, yo. So I mean, so well, here's suspension. the thing:
1: he's only been there a year, maybe not even a year. June 2021, um and he left from Tyson's the chicken company. Oh uh, yeah,
0: to go to. So, you see Beyond now, meat. see now it makes sense though, because I'm like, man, Beyond meat, man, man, aren't these like people who don't even eat meat? This is. You know, what's up with this guy's, the, you know, the whole demeanor. But it makes sense. He came over from Tyson Chicken. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that yeah. might just be how they roll. I got a bunch of family, right, down south that work at a Tyson Chicken plant in South Carolina. And, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They, they're with it. You feel me? I ain't got I ain't got no family that work at no plant-based food company. So I, it's hard for me to make a comparison. but. <laughs>
1: I don't. I mean, when you're fighting, do you think about biting someone? Like, I guess if you get that upset, you're willing to do anything physically to just get your man. Right. (laughs) I mean, Mike Tyson. Oh, Oh, I can't hear you. Well, drop down below, you guys, if we can hear, if you guys can hear Omari, it might just be me. But um, listen, this is this is definitely crazy. You're a 53 year old guy. Um, and this also goes to show you guys that, you know, the company that you work for, uh, you know, even despite, um, you know, what you do in your personal life is going to show up, you know, in your professional life, you guys. So let's take a quick break. But when we come back, we got to talk about Alex Jones, you guys. He is back in a court in Connecticut, and families of the Sandy Hook are not happy. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. So let me give you another headline. Uh, Alex Jones, he testified uh, this week, you guys, as he took the stand at his defamation Trial in Connecticut. You guys know he was in Texas as he tries to limit the damages he must pay for promoting the lie that the 2012 Sandy Hook school massacre was a hoax. Do you guys remember him? I mean, throughout the years, he was telling his audience on his show Infowars um, that the school shooting was a hoax. Um, And these families have been traumatized and outraged by this. I mean, can you imagine? uh the you know the the tra- the post trauma of, of someone you know promoting to the masses that this would happen. Oh hey Omari welcome back
0: yeah you no,
1: really-
0: no. I'm back I'm back <laughs> man alex Jones, this is this is horrible <laughs> this this he- is just horrible because it's like what he did imagine losing your loved one and then you've got somebody with a platform as big as his who's going out there every day lying. Some of them said, all oh, these kids did die. Some of these guys are crisis actors. Oh, the same person at this mass is at that mass shooting and some of everything else. And I'm just like, for why, bruh? For what?
1: Well, you know, in August, so this is the second time he's back in court, um, a Texas jury decided that he, you know, was found guilty um, of, of these damages. And one family was awarded $45 million in punitive damages um, after he had been spreading this lie over and over and over again. Um, and then one of the parents was, um, who had a, a first grader who was murdered, um, was awarded $4.1 million for mental anguish, um, bringing the total to, uh, that he needed to pay in punitive damages to $49.3 million. So this is him back in court in Connecticut. Um, and what I love about this is because, you know, essentially we have a responsibility as journalists or podcasters or content creators or whatever you want to call us, right? Because we're, we're you know, we wear several different hats, but we have, you know, um, a responsibility to make sure that the information that we present out to the masses um, is pre-screened. That is accurate. That um, you know that we're giving you guys information to think about, but that it's honest. Um, you know, I never want to come on this platform and blatantly lie to you guys about anything. Um, and I also don't want twist, to twist the truth. It's important to have the facts about situations. Um, and even through my opinions, um, I always like to leave room. Uh, to be corrected. And I know that some of you guys have, you know, corrected me on things that I've gotten wrong. I mean, even in this show, when I get the facts wrong, I come back and say, actually, excuse me, let me correct that. Um, And so to have somebody like Alex Jones, um, be, you know, have this massive platform and use it to be so destructive and, and hurt people, you know, I'm glad to see that this has gone all the way to trial and that he's gonna actually have to pay these punitive damages.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, the the thing is, right, you don't even have to be a, a journalist or a podcast or a content creator to just have some kind of ethics. I mean, because it's much different if he was repeating false information or you get sometimes, I mean, and. It's, it's a tough business. That's why a lot of times, even when a morning update show is on air, you know, some stuff I just stay away from. I don't know enough about that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I have no problems on the audience. You know what? I don't know enough about that. Well, go back to it. And, and you know, stories change, and facts and information comes out. But it's still much different. sometimes everybody gets something wrong. Sometimes, but he created a whole false narrative. You know, it's something. It's totally different. Right. Then then, you know, getting some facts wrong. He created a whole narrative of of, that just wasn't real. And the thing is, is people who follow him a lot of times, man, they're in this uh, this echo chamber, the far right and the left. They only listen to what they listen to. So there's so many people who are never even checking other media sources. And so what Alex Jones is saying to them is their reality.
1: Yeah, uh, you're totally right about the echo chamber. I hate when people don't want to hear both sides of the argument. I think it's super important to really sculpture your opinion and your decisions and perspective on matters after you hear both sides of the stories or the third, fourth, fifth, sixth side of the story. Right. Because, you know, everything is is not just as it seems. And so you really do need to dig a little deeper um, have some credible sources, and read things on your own. So you guys don't get caught up in these headlines. Don't let somebody like Alex Jones, uh, you know, be able to sell you these falsehoods, and then you just take it and run with it. Um, you know, people love a good conspiracy theory. You know, they think that big government is just always out to get them and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in some respect, you know, there might be some truth to a few things. But Sandy Hook. Like, I don't think the government was ever behind that. I don't think it was a hoax. So
0: for people to have
1: bought into that, it just seems
0: absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's always, there's a lot of times a larger narrative as well to, to excuse away, you know, these extreme actions, um, you know, especially by white people. Um, Imagine, if the same determination that Alex Jones used to say the Sandy hook was a hoax, if we use that to say, Hey, how, how are we going to get gun control here in order? And so there's never another Sandy hook, but instead he's like, Oh, Sandy hook never happened. It's like these guys were January 6th they They're like, "Ah, it was just a tea party at the Capitol. It's all good. And so instead of telling the truth and putting the truth out there and, and us finding a better way these deniers just deny that they deny justice they de- man they deny these people dignity and death and you know and they they've that's why people they were still well whoever whoever the senator is there from Connecticut was like you know how could we we continue to have sandy hooks cuz sandy hooks are now in the, the way we responded to it as a country it it there wasn't enough outrage. Like, you see what I'm saying now? It's like, Oh, well, man, all oh, you've already hearts and prayers, this and that it's normalized, you know, and yeah. Stillman Douglas school in Florida. It's all normalized, which is crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, good point. Um, we have something crazy coming in, in the comments, which is why this is so dangerous. Uh, Carolyn writes in and she says, I remember my uncle constantly asking me if I watched Alex Jones and thought nothing of it. Um, You know, she never heard of him. By the time Alex was in the headlines, my uncle was lost to some Q cult. We've heard of that. You guys trying to get me to invest in a weird business opportunities and things just got worse and worse. The whole subculture is crazy, toxic and just dumb. Um, Yeah. I mean, this the this the whole QAnon culture was a big was a super big deal. Um, I think it was Cuddy and I who both, or no, excuse me, it was Mike and I who, you know, went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure that thing out. I mean, when people get tapped into these subcultures and these conspiracies, I mean, they go all the way in, man. It ain't, listen, to be out of touch with reality is a scary thing. I don't know, oh, just glad to see that this is uh finally they need to take InfoWars off air and they haven't yet. And he's still using his platform to promote, you know, even to promote the fact that he's on trial. You know, he's calling it a kangaroo court. He's using it as a marketing scheme. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I guess he needs it now because he's got like 50 million dollars to pay out and more on the way. <laughs> OK, um well, look let's move into our next story. We're going to start doing it for the culture, you guys. Kanye West is back in the headlines, no less. uh, This time for apologizing to his former wife, Kim Kardashian, um, for any stress that he's caused. He says, You know, this is the mother of my children, and I apologize for any stress that I've caused, even in my frustration. He goes on to say that, and guess what? Ain't nobody else gonna be stressing her either. And, you know, he says he needs to be um, a person, she needs to be um, the least stressed. And the best, and of the best sound mind and calmest possible to be able to raise their kids. Kanye, as you guys know, it's been reported, you know, here on this on this show, uh, that he had several Instagram rants um, and posts, you know, now deleted, uh, where he aimed, you know, just threats at, you know, Kim Kardashian's ex boyfriend Pete Davidson, um, accusations of Kim's parenting style. Um, He accused Kim of not allowing, you know, him to see the kids in their custody agreement. Um, He's aired out just so many things. I mean, he's came for Kim Kardashian's mom. You know, he's talking about, you know, uh, you know, Kris Jenner making the kids do Playboy. I mean, he's just going all in. Not to mention that he's also in the headlines because he has dissolved his partnership with the Gap. Um, And, you know, it looks like he's about to dissolve his relationship with Adidas as well, which I'm actually in support of, um, no less. I think he's actually making a very strong business move when it comes to Gap and it comes to Adidas. But you know what? I actually support this. Um, I support the apology. I think that Kanye West is doing the right thing by coming out and just you know, apologizing publicly and making amends with his, his baby mother, his ex-wife. And, um, you know, I really stand by his business decisions in terms of walking away from his 10-year partnership with Gap. And I support him in, in, in walking away from this, uh, partnership with Adidas should that happen. So here is why you guys, he was talking about leaving Adidas. Let's put up that, um, that overlay with the, the, the Yeezy slides, um, Cuddy. So, this is why he was leaving you guys. He said that Adidas was basically swagjacking and copying his style. So, they have a, a similar slide to the Yeezys um, that came out. Do we not have that slide? I hope we haven't it, because it's, it's, it'll show you the comparison. I mean, the, it's like the same thing. So, and nobody was really tripping off Adidas until Kanye rolled out Yeezy. And so, same thing with gap and that's why he's dissolved the partnership because he's claiming that the company breached its contract because they didn't release the clothing that they agreed on they didn't open the retail stores that were all a part of the agreement so good business moves on kanye west here
0: yeah so here's what i think is that um all of this stuff is contrived, right? It's like you know we're we're just we're just here eating the popcorn, man. You know what's getting ready to happen now. So first of all, any apology, an apology, a, a, a man apologizes to a woman is is are they married? Wife, ex-wife? I don't know. You know, what I'm saying mother of his children, like yeah. And a public apology, that's that's dope. And you know, what I'm saying he should do that, but. I think what we're going to see next is we're going to find that Kim and Kanye come together and they're going to launch a lifestyle and clothing brand and they're going to have their own stores and distribution out somewhere. And so they're planting the seeds right now. So it doesn't seem crazy in six months when they launch their brand called like Unity or something because these guys have come together and, you know, it's like, yo, direct the store, direct the consumer and everything else. So I think that what we're seeing right now is just the setup for what's getting ready to come in a few months. And it's like, yeah. And that's why those, those, uh, everything had to be so, um, so big and irate around adidas and gap you know i mean he probably could have dissolved a lot of that stuff without these rants without whatever so then the public feels like man yeezy got empowered he broke his deals with these guys and now what together with his wife they've got these these brand this lifestyle and clothing brand with distribution you know what i'm saying and everything else like man i don't really study these guys but i see enough of how they move to know that all of this stuff that we've been seeing here live, some of it's just Kanye kind of tripping, but a lot of it is part of their master plan, which then these guys are good, man. These Kardashians, you gotta, you know, you gotta hand it to them. Damn, that's good. That's a good, that's you're good, Omari.
1: That listen, I agree with that. And if they're not thinking that, they absolutely, I hope they're watching Clapback and they're like, that's a great idea because people are going to buy into that. I mean, Kim Kardashian has the highest number of Instagram followers on social media or at least one of the highest, I think right below Beyonce. Um this is a great strategy and tactic and you know, I think I agree that Kanye could have, you know, moved on quietly away from Gap and away from Adidas, but I also think that in this instance um, it was appropriate in some it, it, to some extent um, for him to publicly address why he made the decision to leave. He didn't have to be so volatile uh, and so ratchet and ranting. Well, I mean, the
0: other thing yes. is, is like we just don't know who who is a major shareholder in in Gap and a major a uh, shareholder in adidas who's working with kanye behind the scenes on all that like you see what i'm saying i mean you 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 have to think these super big brands man so much of this stuff is is hollywood man yeah. it's just it's yeah. orchestrated you know what i'm saying no one at adidas with all these thousands of employees and this and that at legal department and product placement and everything no one was like hey that looks like the easy or is this part of the setup? You see what I'm saying? And who part of the setup is like you know a year, a year and a half from now, or whatever that his shoes are being made at the Adidas plant and what? I mean, I, you got to give it to these guys, man. If they wrote movies, these guys would be winning Oscars year after year after year. And so you know, I I just think that like the way that Kanye is knows how the public's going to respond to him. And the way that he is able to make these moves out there with, with everything else right now, they say he's trying to sell off his publishing for one hundred seventy five million. So then that gets the public thinking like, man, Kanye selling off his stuff, you know, so whatever he launches, Kanye be like, man, I put everything I had into this. Yada, yada, yada. You know, he's going to launch. I'm telling you, get ready to launch something big with Kim, man. And it's going to be global and it's going to be direct to consumer and all kinds of stuff
1: but you're right on the kardashians being this like superpower and and i would say kardashians and i also include kanye west in that because anybody a part of that clan uh you know that's a definite business transaction so but these guys are crafty you guys and the other kardashian sister chloe is also in the headlines because on the season premiere of their show, uh, The Kardashians, that is now on Hulu, you guys, that aired yet uh, yesterday, um, she comes out and she's now talking about the timeline in which her and Tristan um, decided to um, have a baby by surrogate. And what she's saying is, is that he set her up. And that he tricked her into having this second baby. And this is the headline that the, the shade room and baller alert that the kids want to see, honey, because this is hot piping tea. So here's what she says. So on the season premiere, she says that Tristan um, was, you know, basically encouraging her to go ahead and have the second baby at the time. They were still in a relationship with each other. Um, and, you know, she, They said, okay, let's go ahead and do it. But she says that he was pushing her like, listen, it has to be done. It has to hurry up and get done. They did the surrogate transfer in November, the last week of November around Thanksgiving, Chloe says. And then the news came out that he got the girl uh, Marley Nichols pregnant, came out in December, like a week later. So the timeline is super messy. Um... And she says that Tristan knew. He knew because he had some reports, um, some court papers that came out in July, and he never told her about it until the news came out in December. That's a hot mess.com.
0: Yeah, that's them people. But, you know, I mean, why would he want another <laughs> you kid? Know, you know what I'm saying? a Kardashian baby. I mean, man, yeah. You know, I I do know one thing. I didn't spend a lot of time down in L.A., but I spent enough time down there that it's like, man, there's fame, you know, like that, that fame. There's, of course, the famous people, but it's that, man, staying in that orbit, man. I know so many people um, that have done so many things professionally or to their body or to whatever, just to stay around fame and stay around access and privilege and luxury and everything else. You know what I'm saying? Of course. He probably got a few more babies out there.
1: Listen, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Is he still playing in the league?
0: No idea. Nobody even talks about it. That's the whole point. You see what I'm saying? He's more famous out out the league than in.
1: He's like famous for being like the trifling baby father. Like that's it. Like, I, if, if I were an NBA team, I would not want to take on Tristan Thompson and all of his PR that comes with that. Like, it would just be a smear campaign that goes along with the team. I mean, unless he's playing like LeBron James.
0: Listen, can't can, can, I jump, can I jump in here real quick? The NBA has an owner that likes to use the word nigga. So they got much bigger problems than Tristan being a trifle baby daddy.
1: but if you look at it from a team perspective right Mm. I would not want to take Tristan on as a team like you just don't want you don't want that press you don't want that press at all NBA got a lot of cleaning up to do anyway it's a lot going on I mean it's Hollywood is so messy and Kanye West talks about that he talks about how people are addicted to all of this kind of like drama um and listen, y'all... But he's
0: feeding the machine, though. That's what I'm saying. It isn't like he's <laughs> setting an example. If he's like, like, hey, guys, you know, right now, my life is a roller coaster, but as opposed to having you addicted to my drama, I would go deal with... It. He feeds the machine. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, he's part of the problem. Guys,
1: all of these guys are addicted to clout. Alex Jones, Khloe uh, Kardashian, yeah. Kardashian Kanye. I mean is out of control. And another person feeding the machine is New York Bishop, Bishop Lamar Whitehead. He is back in the headlines, you guys. Let's take a quick break. But when we come back, I'm going to roll it out and tell you what this man did. Stay tuned. You're watching Clapback Culture. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Clapback Culture. Without further ado, you guys. So New York Bishop, uh, Bishop Lamar Whitehead, who was robbed during the live stream service, is now back in the headlines, you guys, for clashing with a woman that came into the church and choking her out the door. We got the tape, let's go ahead and run it and we'll come back and talk about it.
0: Confrontation during a Sunday sermon in Brooklyn landed two people behind bars, including a bishop who argues he was protecting his family.
2: CBS 2's Jenna DeAngelo spoke with both people involved
3: and has the video from Canarsie we going to pause right here.
4: A. During a live stream right Sunday service at Leaders of Tomorrow right here, International Ministries, Bishop Lamore Miller Whitehead appears to get disrupted.
3: You want to come preach? You want to come preach? You want to come preach? Come on up here. Come on up here.
4: The bishop says it all started when two women came into the church mid-sermon.
3: One of my ministers told them that you cannot record. No, you can't record and they begin to make a scene.
4: Police say when a woman was asked to stop recording and leave, she began to antagonize the Bishop and approach him on stage.
3: They take pictures and they wanna be on social media. Take the pictures, take the pictures.
4: As she walks past Bishop Whitehead, he appears to grab her from behind and they move off camera.
3: You've seen her walk in front of me, going at my wife and my daughter, and I grabbed her.
4: He says he was worried about his family and thinking back to the moment in July when he was robbed at gunpoint during a sermon streamed live online.
3: That's the only thing that I can remember. This lady had a bag under her arm and she was going after my wife.
4: The woman in the video, 47-year-old Tarsha Howard, was arrested and charged with trespass and disrupting a religious service. She showed us her injury and made a brief statement. I
1: am telling you right now, I did not charge after his wife. It's on video and everyone can see that I was the one that was assaulted.
4: And after this statement,
1: he will hear from my attorney.
3: The
4: bishop was also taken into custody, but shortly after released, now criticizing the NYPD's handling of the incident.
3: I was treated like a criminal. So I went from the pulpit to the cell for no reason. The New York Police Department failed me and failed my church.
4: The NYPD says because of crowd control, both the Bishop and Howard were taken to the 69th precinct for further investigation. Bishop Whitehead says he wants the NYPD to take action so there are no copycat crimes. In Canarsie, Brooklyn, Jenna Angeles, CBS2 News.
0: And the bishop says he believes this was all a setup. He says he thinks two bloggers sent the woman his way for clout. Both of the men, religious commentators, spoke with Jenna over the phone. One said he didn't know the women before this. The other says the women have been guests on his show, but he doesn't personally know them, and he had nothing to do with this incident.
1: I am so sick and tired of this guy in the headlines. Let me just break down my thoughts here before I throw it over to Amari. Let's keep that same energy when you're being robbed for a million dollars worth of jewelry. Um, I love how he's saying that, you know, she was coming after my wife and my daughter. I don't I just I don't I don't feel like it was that big of a threat. In fact, the girl who was recording in a different video, one of your one of the members in your congregation snatched her phone as she was recording and he choked her all the way out the door. Um, I do feel like the the woman who came into the church was being disruptive. I'm not sure why she made the decision to go into church. Another thing that we saw was that there was like six people attending the congregation in total. So that's probably why he didn't want anybody to uh, film it because he didn't want to see that no one actually even goes to his church. Um, but this guy is out of control. Um, and, You know, when we when we talk about what a pastor or a bishop is supposed to represent in our community, he is not holding himself up. Well, I mean, he held a press conference to talk about how the police have done him wrong. You weren't arrested. You were detained. They asked you to come down to the police station so they could de-escalate the situation. You were never put in handcuffs. You were not charged. They let you go. You know, they even locked up. Um, this woman who uh, you know essentially made bail. It's just so much drama, um, and then to do all of it in a fake Christian Dior suit. God damn! Mm-mm-mm. What a hot mess!
0: Yeah, I just I I've been I remember this guy, <laughs> and I, yeah, it, well, a few things come to mind since since COVID is over with. Um if he only had six people in the church, they might be doing something else at that church. You know what I'm saying? Or using that church for something else. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If 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 they're if they're you know collected like that, they might got something going on. But when when I look at this guy, when I saw the last interview and this interview, man, it's like he's put so much emphasis on possessions. Mm-hmm. you know it's just it's really it's really weird you know it's almost like man what what is you compensating for bro it's so much emphasis on possessions and everything else dude's just i don't know it's like that that first thing blew over I, if i was him i'd be wanting to stay out of the media you know what i'm yeah. saying like out of it but you know it's it's weird and he's just one that's actually made the news there's so many we there's so many people in positions of authority in in churches in our communities across America, man, where I don't know if they really serving us the best way they should be. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I don't, this dude bothers me. He's troubling.
1: He does, He bothers me just as much. And I think, you know, to be a leader of any kind and to not be in control of your emotions, to not be in control of your congregation, to not, Um, You know, just uh, not even to have authority over anything. I mean, first and foremost, if you guys were robbed at gunpoint, how come you don't even have security? You're not you're not checking people before you come in. Like there's just a walk in a free walk in policy, you know, after you were robbed, you know, at gunpoint by two or three Different gunmen for millions of dollars worth of jewelry. You didn't make the decision. Out of all the Fendi, the Gucci, the Louis Vuitton, the Christian Dior that you're purchasing, you didn't want to make sure that not only your congregation, but your wife and your ten month old daughter, who you you know are willing to go you know up in arms for, you didn't think that you should have security or some type of um, you know screening process before even letting someone in. Because, he, you know, he's alleging that she had this bag under her arm and she was charging at my wife. She wasn't charging at your wife. She was walking around after you also were antagonizing her, um, you know, during your guys' verbal dispute over her recording. And so I say all that to say that if this were a real issue and he was worried about threats or or violence coming to him during a Sunday service. Why is he not spending and investing his money in into some form of security to make sure that everybody's safe? That should have probably been the number one thing you did after you were allegedly robbed at gunpoint. But that's why I'm saying it has to be a hoax because he don't even feel no type of way. You're more worried about you know someone getting a, a bad angle of you to go on social media to go to the bloggers. Ain't you supposed to be talking about Jesus? If anything, you should want your message, right, to go forward. And I think um, this guy is a clown. Like he's a clown. Um, I hope that this is the last time we see him making headlines for this kind of reason. Um, He is on a tour uh, a press tour to talk about anything that somebody will listen to this guy loves the spotlight he loves this cloud this is a toxic 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 kind of person you guys like this well, guy is-
0: and the thing is is the one thing about about a preacher is that you know we Man, a lot of other professions, you couldn't have that title of, you know, the whatever, the top, whatever. You know, you can't really be a doctor if you don't go to medical school or even if you're a medicinal doctor going through, you know, there's still school for that and everything else. It's all kinds of ethics. Oh, man, it's a hell of stuff you have to do. But unfortunately, man, to, you know, to lead a church, bro, all you got to do is really, you know, have the, the, the charismatic and everything. A lot of times in churches, there is no message, There isn't. It's no longer about the Bible. I mean, you know, it's a church in the way that they put it. But, you know, if that's what you're into is the Bible. Most guys can't even tell you the Bible, you know, but it's an opportunity. I mean, you have to think that there's pockets of our community where people's souls are so depleted, where their sense of hope is so diminished that even just to go somewhere, you could be in a room with somebody and this guy's doing all this, whatever. And it gives you a sense of purpose and belonging like that's that's where we at. And that's the only reason why people like this guy, the Movado watch guy, you guys too broke to buy me a watch. All them people are able to continue to like not only subsist, but thrive, man.
1: And I would just say to our viewers, please don't let this be any version of representation of the black church, because this right here, um, we condemn this. This is not what the black church represents or what it stands for. So this guy is 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 he ain't one of us. You know, He he's a straight clown. <sighs> but that's our show tonight, Amari. So that was all the topics. What you got planned for this weekend?
0: Man, you know. <laughs> man, I was, I was yeah. really, I was supposed to be in Houston all this week, but it turns out that we're we're Rainier Beach. Okay, so I can talk about this Rainier Beach High School. They're doing the groundbreaking tomorrow on the new high school. It's over 175 million dollar building, probably even more than that, uh, for us by us build the beach. So that's going on. And then we're we're doing something real special. There's some NBA games that are going to be happening here in Seattle. The L.A. Clippers play two games in Seattle, one on September 30th and one on October 3rd. And we're working on something real special uh, that's going to play in Climate Pledge Arena during those games. So that's what I'm up to this weekend.
1: That's dope. You know, when I, I came home, I... um. It was such a singe of nostalgia when I came back to Seattle and, you know, this was the first time I didn't get an opportunity to kick it with my family uh, due to COVID, but It was so nice. I rode with my sister, um, my god sister, you guys, and she took me just like through the neighborhood and I had no idea that they closed Beach. Like I didn't know that there was this big remodeling project going on, That the students were in trailers right now. And she told me about, you know, the full comprehensive plan and everything like that. So this is really dope. Um, I cannot wait to see how it is. I used to live right behind uh, Rainer Beach so when we used to play outside and play kickball when we kicked it over the fence we used to have to hop the fence and we'd be right in the backyard of Rainer Beach so that is um you know shout out to the south end one time for the one time I probably spent too many too many hours too many days too much time on Henderson uh growing up as a kid but you know that's that's blade, a huh? <laughs> 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 yes, it, listen it, it it gives you know uh you know, you guys always talk about Garfield and all that in the city, but, you know, my heart is is still right there, um, right over there at Rainier Beach Community Center, you know, Henderson and all of that. So that's that's my hood. Um, but it felt great to kind of be home and just see like all the changes. Of course, you don't want to see so much gentrification, but it definitely, you know, there was a moment I was like, wow, this is a really beautiful, beautiful city. Um, and I'm really proud and lucky to be a native. Um And so that was that that felt really good. But um,
0: yeah, we missed you, too, Julia.
1: <laughs> Miss you guys, too. All right. Well, that's our show tonight. You guys, I thank you so much for taking your Thursday night to come sit down with me and Omari. Omari, when you're not here, where can I find you?
0: Everywhere like air, man just breathe in breathe out but you can find me on social media at Omari Sal o-m-a-r-i-s-a-l
1: all right you guys and you guys can find me on instagram and twitter at treasure of j-u-l-e-s you know what it is until then and until next week stay peaceful and we'll see you next week same time same place peace